0: This is Window on the East, a podcast from BNE Intellinews. Subscribe at BNE.eu.
1: Hello, and welcome to Window on the East with me, Ben Harris, the editor of BNE Intellinews. Grain is the new oil. Last year, Russia had a record harvest of over 134 million tons of grain, and it earned over $20 billion from exports. That's more than it earns from arms exports. The Russian state has been pouring money into agriculture as one of the few sectors it has where it can see real gains for every dollar invested. Agriculture is also flourishing in Ukraine, despite all its other economic problems. It's one of the great hopes for the Ukrainian economy, but after the government failed to put through IMF-sponsored reforms that would have created a land market, the development has been stymied. Nevertheless, a handful of large corporations are continuing to invest and seeing agricultural sector grow. I talked to Mike Lee, who's an independent agricultural consultant. Every year, Mike travels around the Black Sea region in order to assess the crops and make forecasts of what the outlook should be. So I'm here with Mike Lee, who is an independent agricultural expert specializing in the Black Sea region and who famously goes on a crop tour of the region every year, which he's just completed half of, I think, and tweets out the results, um, but has um, commercial clients who are interested in the details of what the outlook for the crops are. Mike, is that right? You've just come back from um, a tour of part of the region of Black Sea. Where, Where were you exactly?
0: Yeah, I've just um, just completed about 3,500 kilometres driving through Russia and Ukraine um, two weeks ago. We got back uh, two weeks ago. Uh, we started off in southern Russia, um, Krasnodar, Stavropol, uh and up into Rostov, and then further north to Voronezh. Then we turned left through to Kursk, crossed the border into Ukraine, and then Sumy, Kiev, and then from Kiev down to um, Odessa. So the idea is we cover... The uh, a, a representative um, sample of the uh, the main grain re- the grain producing
1: regions of the Black and Sea. So that the main question is: Last year, Russia brought in uh, a crop of I think it was uh, 134 million tons of grain, which was an all-time record, smashing even the Soviet era era records. And the yields and and, and the the take the harvest has been rising steadily over. Over several years, and the question and this, this is earning serious amount of export currency on the order of twenty billion dollars last year and so the first question is you know what's the outlook for the harvest this year? are they going to do another one of these these bumper crops or or
0: not? Yeah, good question. I mean, half the harvest is still in the bag, hasn't been planted yet. The, the, the spring crops of corn, sunflower and soya um, are, are just started to be planted. Um, the, winter, the winter crops, winter, predominantly winter wheat, but a bit of um, a few other winter cereals and uh, winter roasted grape, uh, were, were planted in the autumn. 2017 and come through the winter, in, you know, in good condition. So at the at this moment, the potential is for another high yielding crop uh, going into 2018. But <clears throat> the farmer in me, as you know, I'm, a, I'm a, essentially a farmer. Um, you know, we sort of tend to look at things in a slightly more pessimistic point of view and say there's a long way between now and harvest, and there's a. You know, a lot that can happen in terms of um, the yield being uh, made or broken in that time. Barring a major catastrophe, um, you're, you're going to see another you know, large crop come out of Russia, in particular Russia and Ukraine. And the hectares, if you look at the hectares of all the crops that have been planted, they've increased. Uh, so the sheer volume that comes out is, is based on the hectares. But the other part of the, the yield is the, is, or, the, or the output is, is the yield per hectare. And that's the figure that I'm
1: interested in. Sorry, uh, and the hectares, from... is that going up or is that remained stable? Are they bringing in new
0: yeah they're, they're increasing both both Ukraine and Russia have got uh, for, for different reasons their agricultural policies promote push farmers to plant more hectares the Ministry of Agriculture in Ukraine and Russia are, are, are both um, very positive towards agriculture and the, the way that I look at it is that um, <clears throat> The positivity tends to just be empty words because they don't necessarily have the resources to back that up. But uh, I've I've been involved in uh, agriculture in the Black Sea for fifteen twenty years, and in recent years, what you're seeing now is is a lack of interference. From the ministry, so they support, if if, if that makes sense, mm. by not getting in the weather, allowing farmers to, to develop. You know, Russia talks about subsidies; they, they provide uh, you know every week on the. They make announcements about how much support they're giving to farmers. How much of that actually turns into tangible rubles on the farm is questionable. But the, the, the inference is that they are supporting agriculture by you know not necessarily getting in the way.
1: How much new land are we talking about in recent years?
0: It depends how far you go back. I mean, if you go back 10 years in in, in Ukraine, for example, it's it's or in Russia, I suppose, it's, it it has increased. There is more land that is, you know. 10 years ago, you could go into Ukraine and you could find. Uh, you know, good agricultural land that was was available to to lease for not not a great deal of money. Most of the good land now is is being farmed in some capacity. Ukraine and Russia. If you are looking to secure land to go farming uh, as, a, as a as an investment, you're you're being pushed onto the more marginal land.
1: In Russia, you um, the law allows you to buy land, and Ukraine. Um, Fluffed the the whole land reform in order to to create a land market, and that's meant that you have to lease. and The upshot of that has been that the big farming companies like uh, Ukra Agro Holding uh, tended to dominate this, um, and there has been expansion as there's some consolidation. But is that having an effect on on the development of Ukrainian agriculture in particular? Is it holding it back?
0: That's uh, it's an interesting point that's that's debated uh, hotly. Um, by, by many people, it, it, I think it depends on your position. If you look at Ukraine agriculture at the moment, the the um, the type of investors that go into Ukraine. Uh, whether it 's agriculture or anything else will be your private investors because the uh, if the corporate investors look at Ukraine, they do their corporate due diligence and the corruption issue is flagged up as a, red, as, a as a red flag, and it stops them um, progressing with the um, uh, with the investment. The investors that you are seeing in Ukraine tend to be private investors who have a uh, higher tolerance to risk. Um, but they tend to have less capital available. So, if you were looking at an agricultural investor, private investor coming into Ukraine, if they had to secure land in various figures, but let's say $1,000 a hectare, that's a a large amount of the capital you've got available to go farming with. So, the current system whereby it allows private investors to come in and lease land, and once you've leased land, it is pretty secure in terms of, you know, nobody's going to come and take it off you, and you've got leases that last for seven years that are sort of rolling and, and without, you know, there shouldn't be any problem. What that means is if a, if a private investor has a limited amount of funds, you don't have to put half of it into the land. Mm. You can put, you know, a quarter or a third of it into securing the land, and the rest is available to buy your seeds, fertilizers, and diesel, which is what you need to go farming.
1: Has there been a lot of private investment into Ukraine? I can't think of many companies as a say I think it's mainly dominated by the few leading uh, agricultural firms there there was um, there
0: was certainly a, an appetite for it uh, in the, uh, ten ten six seven eight years ago. Um, there was a lot of interest from private uh, uh, investors. Less so now, um, with you know recent events have of, of, you know put uh, private investors off as well. It, it depends on your your position. If you're a private investor, so whether it's beneficial to be in Ukraine or Russia from an agronomic uh, an economic position, um, both countries are you know ideal in terms of um, agricultural investments. Um, there are differences. from Russia, there's been a a move towards um, pro-Russian type of businesses at the expense of foreign investors. But I think if you wanted to go investing in uh, in Russia, then it's perfectly um, possible to do so. But you're right, the the large agribusinesses have been taking, you know, they've been getting bigger, both in Ukraine and Russia. Big is beautiful. Um,
1: You know, the bigger that we can be, the better we are. You were going to talk about yields. I mean, that's the other big change that's gone on, um, that over the, the last 20 years or 10 years in particular, there's been a lot of investment and efficiency, modern uh, techniques, <laughs> fertilizers have been brought in. What, what has that done to yields?
0: Ah, uh, Yes, yeah, this is an interesting one. Um, the, the, the way to look at it is that um, the recent yield increases, particularly for the last two years of basically been driven by weather conditions. You know, Russian farmers and uh, agronomists didn't suddenly become better overnight and the yield didn't suddenly leap up um, to the record levels that we we were seeing uh, these last uh, Two years, three years. Even farming is a fairly straightforward process. If it rains, the crop grows, and if the crop grows, you've got a yield. And if it doesn't rain, the crop doesn't grow, and and, and you don't have a yield. There's two things sort of running in parallel. There has been improvement in in the the, the farming practice uh, driven by technology and fertilisers and, and and seeds and so on, and that has that in, increased the the yield um, per hectare per you know for, for the individual crops. But the recent real big um, output or yield increase have been driven by the weather and by the number of hectares that have been planted. Well, what and, sort of <coughs> yield is uh,
1: Russia getting? Is it six tons per hectare? Is that right? Something on that order?
0: No, no. If, if, if you're looking at um, wheat yield, you're looking around about three. But that can go so a, a three-ton crop on the current um, um, hectares that are planted gives you a, a, a wheat crop of uh, you know seventy-five to eighty million tons, which is what we saw last year. Eighty. How, how does that I compare? How
1: does that compare internationally? Then uh, I was the well quite you, low. you have
0: to be a little bit careful because that three ton average is for all the wheat that is grown across the whole of Russia so <clears throat> you've got areas where wheat is being grown where it doesn't grow as well you've got farmers who are not putting fertilizers on or or, or um, you know feeding the crop or, or, or growing it to its, its potential so that would compare with say Western Europe where you would be looking at uh, seven seven and a half tons. Now there are farmers in Russia who will consistently produce six, seven ton crops of wheat, and they will be in the in the prime wheat growing regions. So if you if you start to pull out the the main wheat growing regions, then the wheat yield is is, is much higher than the, the three ton. But if you take the the country uh, average, um, it's it's still low. Um, and, and six has or
1: seven to six or seven is, is interna- by the international comparison. I mean that that's good, mm. isn't it? I mean that that's sort of mapping yeah, out yeah. towards international standards.
0: So, so it is comparable with Western Europe, um, which is what you know, which is the sort of um, obvious um, benchmark to, to aim
1: for. The state's been pushing really hard in order to boost this. I mean the agricultural minister, I mean he he's talking about um Look, Russia made around $20 billion uh, from exports last year, but he, he's talking about taking that up to $100 billion, $200 billion over the next, whatever, 20, 30 years, which would make the grain export the size of the oil exports. I mean, is that realistic? I mean, they seem to have extremely ambitious plans for it.
0: Is it realistic? Uh, I, I couldn't possibly comment whether it's realistic. Is it possible? It's possible. Technically, it's possible. Um, there are There is a lot of land still available to, to plant in, uh, in Russia. Um, there is uh, improvements to be made on, on the yield. There's a lot of low-cost improvements that could be implemented. It's not just about bringing in expensive um, capital investments. There are some sort of fairly simple practices that could be implemented <clears throat> that would have uh, you know a, a, a knock-on effect you hear these 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 announcements made frequently both throughout the black sea that we're going to see you know we we could double the output we could double the yield and so on technically it's possible you know is it going to happen um in in you know in the re- in recent years uh unlikely um you know we we we're, 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 the region is overdue a hot dry summer and you know you get a hot dry summer that 3 ton yield drops down to Two tons, and you see a massive drop in the, um, in the production of wheat coming out of Russia and that uh, has a, a knock-on effect in terms of uh, revenue and uh, confidence in, uh, in the grain exports industry
1: and so on. Is there a big difference between Russia and Ukraine? I mean, Russia's actually been pouring money in the, into this, and it has the money to pour, whereas Ukraine is kind of broke.
0: Well, the, the wheat yield um, production, if you if take that as, a, as, a, as an example, the wheat yield production in Ukraine is higher than Russia. Um, and that's probably because there's more land within the prime sort of wheat-growing regions. Um, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot more marginal land in Russia that's um, uh, that's, that's producing low yields. Russia has money to invest in agriculture, and uh, Ukraine has uh, less money to invest in agriculture. And undoubtedly, that's having an impact um it's difficult to quantify that that impact but there is undoubtedly an impact there and i think if you look at the amount of money that is invested in ukrainian agriculture compared to what's required um you know it's 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 a, it's a tiny amount in terms of the the you know even a back of an envelope estimation of what's required to be invested to 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 bring ukrainian agriculture up to a standard uh, uh so it has the equipment to be able to to, to farm proficiently um, is, is huge, and and this goes back to what we said before. We were talking before about um, the investments, um, climbers, uh, until the the corruption issue is is resolved, and um, that will then allow corporate businesses to invest in Ukraine. I don't. Th- think you're going to see any significant change. Just the amount of investment that comes into the country at the moment is small, and what's needed is is you know, ten times, hundred times that. To be fair, Ukraine is moving along those lines. You know, it, it, it is trying to resolve the corruption issue to to free up the, um, the the investments of you know the the real wall of money that's sitting outside
1: Ukraine that's waiting to come in. Last question, and um, briefly. Um I know you were worried, following your tweets when you go on your tour, about the lack of snow cover, um, but that seems to have resolved itself, and so much as snow came. Do you have a, an estimate for, uh, or a guesstimate for what the, um, the the harvest is going to be this year?
0: Yeah, well, you'd have to sign up to my crop tour service to get the full insider information on that. But, um, no, it's uh, – I mean, essentially, the, the, the winter was uh, – there was a lack of snow going through um, December, January, and into early February. And it was spring-like conditions in January. And the, and the risk was that you had this uh, uh, this crop that was growing, that was lush and soft. And it was January, and we know what the temperatures can be like in, uh, in the Black Sea region. At that time of year, it, it, it can drop down to minus 20. Um, and if the temperature had dropped to minus 20 for any length of time and there was a lack of insulating snow cover, then there was the potential for the crop to be uh, damaged. Um, so we can say, the, the, the
1: so, so far so good, that, that you know, we've avoided a disaster so that we should get a decent harvest.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the crops come through the winter in uh, in, a, in a fair condition. We've seen the crop come out of the winter. There's no winter kill. The, the big issue is if you get, if you start getting fifteen twenty percent winter kill, where you start to reduce the amount of crop that's been planted, that's where you get a uh, an impact in the overall um, uh, production.
1: On that note, Mike, thanks very much for taking the time, and I recommend everyone follows him on Twitter uh, as he tours the region and tweets out what he's seeing. It's always very interesting. Thank you, Mike. Thanks, man. Cheers.